This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Denise Crosby. I played Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Join with me today are Amy Nelson and Joe Keegan. Amy, how are you doing today? Doing very well. I'm very excited for today's episode. Yeah, we've got to have a special one, which I'll tell you about in a moment. And Joe, how are you doing? I'm really good. I got through my first full week at school with all the students in, so that was really good. Super tired by Friday, but it was fine. And I've also been binge-watching season two of The Handmaid's Tale. <gasps> and I binge Oh, I didn't know you were doing this! Season one, like the week before, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of destroyed me. Yeah, it's, it's not happy watching. Ugh. But wait, go back. Um, so congratulations on starting your first week and school year. Do you have a lot of returning students or are they all new? Um, a mi- like for me personally, yeah. a mixture. Yeah. Okay. I think mostly all new to me, but there are a few that I have taught before. Because remember, I teach them from when they're about 12 up to about 18. Right, that's what I was thinking, school, that so. they should know you by now. Yes, so you might see them in first year, which is when they're 12, and then you might see them again in a few years later on. So, Isn't that so nice when they know you and your expectations and you don't have to train them? Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the worst are like our first year. I can't really say much. It's probably confidential. Um, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on some yes, important teacher sorry. conversations. No, no, no. So, no, no. That's all right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you get like some first years like to try and push their limits with you. Oh, yeah. Um, but not having any of that. Nope. This is my ship. I'm the captain. That's right. Do you get put in the brig? You can be the captain there, but. I think Justin's going to be our captain today. Yeah, well, and, and good, Joe, that you survived the first week of school, and Amy, you're surviving, you're further along than Joe, yes. right? <laughs> so, but that's not exactly what we're talking about today. So, listeners, you might know that yesterday there was a Standard Orbit episode that dropped, and if you're in the farther future, it's Standard Orbit 282, where we talked about an alternative realities fan collective collection that came out uh, in the 2000s. So we talked about some original series episodes there. You're going to want to go ahead and listen to that. But then on this episode of Earl Grey, we'll be talking about TNG episodes. And of course, we have the Standard Orbit crew here. So we have Ken Tripp, Haley Stoddard, and Zach Moore. So first, Ken, how are you doing? 
Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having us aboard. Nice to get into the 24th century. It's things are a little bit more sleek and comfortable here. So very glad to be here. Thank we you. We carpeted the walls just for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I'm not yeah. sure what that means, carpeting the walls, but okay. Yeah, it's, it's a new thing we'll introduce you to in the 24th century. So Haley, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, glad to be here. Uh, it's very interesting. It's a little bit uh, shinier on this ship here. We have potted plants in the corridors too. That's, that's bizarre. At least I won't run into like the angled corridors. That's that's always been a problem for me. That's why I've never liked bumping my head on them. It's bad. <laughs> so Zach, how are you doing? Great. I'm happy to check in here at the Marriott in space, and I'm uh, just looking forward to um, having fun with all the amenities here. You guys offer. Yeah, it's a very spacious ship we run here. Very good. <laughs> uh, so, as I mentioned, uh, we are talking about alternate reality episodes and this is specifically based on a collection that came out in what was it the mid to late 2000s zach is that right yeah yes yeah, late 2000s yeah yeah and there were a bunch of different concepts for for that but the one that we chose was alternate realities because there were some great um, uh, original series episodes and next generation episodes so today we'll be talking about four next generation episodes yesterday's enterprise the inner light frame of mind and parallel so i think those are some great episodes to talk about so let's actually just jump right into it. Let's talk about yesterday's Enterprise, which I think is often regarded as one of the very best Next Generation episodes. Um, let's start with Zach, your thoughts on this episode. Well, this is actually my favorite episode of The Next Generation. And I just love how it has it has stakes, it has history. Uh, it, is, it is kind of like, a, I guess, a cheat because it's an alternate universe and everything's kind of undone, alternate timelines so are kind of undone by the Enterprise C going back in time. But it's, it's, it's great to see this this alternate take on the Enterprise D. Uh, the uniform's a little different. The lighting is just A+. I wish the Enterprise D was always lit this way. It looks great. And uh, just having, taking like a thread, like, oh, Tasha Yard, she died a couple years ago. Denise Crosby wants to come back. Let's work that in here. Old Enterprises, people love that. Let's bring, no one knows what the Enterprise C is. Let's bring that in. Let's get some original series movie era uniforms and ships in here. War with the Klingons, always kind of, Hanging that—that's a hanging threat in the Star Trek universe. Let's bring all this stuff together, and it, it comes out to a great, uh, just a great hour of television. It's very compelling, and then to me, it's like one of the most iconic uh, lines in Star Trek, where Picard he looks at the crew, he says, "Don't let history forget the name Enterprise." And it's like, oh yeah, goosebumps every time you hear that. And then he goes down with the ship, with the flames going. It's just just an, an incredible, exciting hour of television, and my favorite episode of the Next Generation. Oh, excellent. Uh, Ken, your thoughts? Well, it's definitely one of the top episodes of all of Star Trek, I think. Um, I don't know if it's my... F I know it's not my favorite. I'll, I'll talk about that later. But I, I do love this episode uh, for all the reasons that, you know, Zach articulated it very, very well. Um, but I, I love anything that closes gaps. I mean, it was kind of, you know, getting to see the Enterprise-C, which is the one ship we never saw. Um, they did a brilliant job with that, I thought. Um, I love the the continuity and how it all gets pulled together. Uh, the twist involved in this, you know, the Federation losing the war and whatnot. It was, it, it just it had a lot of drama, a lot of action, um, and you know, it also brought up that whole concept of are we doing the right thing by putting it back, right? And and is there a shot? And and you know, I, I'm 
I'm kind of half and half when it comes to Guinan. You know, I, I like her character sometimes, and then other times I, I'm, I'm not that enthralled with it. Um, it has nothing to do with Whoopi. It's just sometimes the way they've pulled her in. And in this episode, I was like, that is what, um, you know, she really brings to the table is that, that ability to kind of just like, this is wrong. And, uh, I thought it was one of the better scripts that she had to work with. Uh, that dynamic with the captain was, was definitely apparent. And, you know, even the conversation with Tasha Yar, you know, it was just all of it uh, was was really well done. I, I don't know anybody that has um, negative thoughts when it comes to yesterday's Enterprise. But uh, for me, anyway, I remember when it first aired, aired very, very clearly, um, the excitement of it. Um, you know, we didn't have the ability then. I didn't anyway. I didn't have a VHR or something that I could just readily tape and, and rewind and, and watch it again. But I remember when uh, the season was over, waiting with bated breath for them to run the reruns from, uh, was this season... Three, four, three, three, three. When they re-ran it again, it was like, I couldn't wait to get back there. And that time I taped it. So, yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, Ken. I haven't actually seen anyone say a lot of negative things about it or they don't really like it. So, that's unusual. Yeah. Uh, Haley, your thoughts? Yeah. So, I I enjoy this episode for what it is. If we take it in just itself, there's a lot that I really like about this episode. I don't like what it sets up for later on. Um, that's my my one thing. But I do I do enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of differences that I really like. I like Tasha Yar's character in this episode. I feel that she's stronger in this episode than we had seen her previously, but not in the defensive, like I'm strong because I'm on the defense all the time. I feel like I have to defend myself. She's a very strong character in this. Um, I I do enjoy this episode. I like seeing the Enterprise C. I, I like this whole, they have to go back, but you know, there's that conundrum of sending them back is sending them back to their desk. But essentially, according to history, they've already been there and and it's already happened anyway so is it really a super negative thing to do that so there's a lot that i enjoy but then there's just yeah i don't like what it sets up later on i don't like that whole thing so i can talk about this episode just on its own <laughs> yeah you're talking about what it sets up for Sila, right yeah i yeah, don't want to go that's not the fault of this episode thanks but. denise crosby <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no it's interesting perspective uh amy your thoughts yeah yesterday's enterprise is yeah just an iconic one you get to see like i said the enterprise c and that bridge crew and how they're functioning and and how great of a ship that she is and to your point ken with guinan she is very strong. And I was thinking about when you mentioned her conversations, obviously, with Captain Picard and how she's able to detect the change and the shift in the alternate reality. But her conversation with uh, Tasha Yar, I mean, she's never afraid to say the hard things. And yeah, you are not supposed to be here. Like, that's so impressive. And I love that Guinan's able to do that. And she does. She brings exactly what she needs to for this episode to make it work. And I think Guinan is a very important key to this and that, you know, just that the shift and how she's able to pick that up, I think is, is really amazing to the episode because she's the only one to realize this alternate reality. And I think it's a great, great episode. Okay, great. Uh, Joe, your thoughts or, you know, observations about science or whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, not, nothing about that. Um, and then you guys kind of covered everything I wanted to say. Yes, yeah, first time we see another kind of first time we see the Enterprise C, um, which is always really cool to see another ship named Enterprise. We see maybe to fix that turnabout intruder problem. We see a Federation starship with a female captain Rachel for Garrett. the first time. Yeah. Rachel Garrett, yeah. yeah. Um, I like the way the whole episode very quickly builds up the the crew of the Enterprise C. And so they've got some stakes and you kind of feel for them and they do a lot of character development in that 45 minutes where um, Lieutenant Castillo, the, the helmsman, has a love interest with Tasha Yar. And you see Rachel Garrett. I love Guinan in this episode. Um, it's kind of she re- kind of reminds me of Stamets in the Harry Mud episode with the time, the time loop that they're stuck in. It's like how do you dis- how do you get people to believe you? You're stuck in a time loop, or in Guinan's case, that something's really deeply wrong. That she just got this feeling, and that kind of history's been changed, and Tasha Yar should be dead. I do have a problem with Picard's dis- Yar's decision to centre in Enterprise C. I don't, I, that doesn't sit well with me. I that doesn't know. work for you. I don't. I see why they did it. Um, I don't know if it was kind of justifiable to send a member of your crew knowingly to their death. I think it works for me because it's like they're losing this thing anyway. So I think at that this war anyway. So I think at that point he's. He it takes him a while, but I think he does get convinced. Like if that's what you really want, and just Hard go, decision yeah, after I, all. I can okay. see that. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, so I mean, I think you guys have said a lot of what I think about this episode. I think one thing that I find fascinating about this is there's writing credits for six writers on this episode. <laughs> yes, and. In, it, they had a lot of trouble in the process of making this episode apparently like over like a Thanksgiving weekend they had to just like work everything out they thought it was going to be like a complete mess and it turned out to be like one of the very best episodes of Star Trek so I find that part really fascinating it's not necessarily the case that if you have like tons of people working on something and that they're just kind of like rushing to get something done and they're not sure how it'll work out that inspiration won't hit sometimes it won't but but I think you know those those parts in in Star Trek where it's like I don't know if this is going to be any good, but but it ends up being like a really enduring episode is is very interesting, and and I don't know like I think one of the things that makes it a really great episode is seeing the Enterprise C, seeing you know there's this alternate timeline and what happens in that timeline, which is always really fascinating. I mean, I think as we saw in Standard Orbit, just because you have something like that doesn't mean it's necessarily a good episode, <laughs> like the alternative factor for most of us. But but yeah, there is just something that's special about this episode and that really makes it it stand out. And it's just like they put in all of these different things. There's the Enterprise C, there's Guinan, there's an alternate timeline, there's all of these conversations about, you know, Tasha and all of that, and you get to see the Enterprise C crew and they get to accomplish so much and it just I look forward to it every time that that I watch it, for sure. Do do we have other things to say, Amy? I think you have something. Yeah. So talking about it in terms of this alternate reality, I always think, and, you know, if you think too hard about time travel, it just really messes with you. But to Haley's point, like the future, and I enjoy seeing Sela, and I like the, oh, yeah, she went back to the Enterprise C, and then that's what happened, and we get her daughter. But... When I watch yesterday's Enterprise, I always think that it's a 
different timeline. So then when it is. Tasha goes back, then she can't show up in our timeline. She can because they're sending her back to the prime. Well, the, the, it's it's re- well, let me think about <laughs> See, that's the <laughs> thing. See, that is because the point daughter, right there. It's... And she certainly isn't 20 years old, right? Yeah. They're they're sending her back like I think the whole like I don't mind seeing Sila. What I really mind is like the backstory that somehow this alternate Tasha's life was supposed to have some, or death was supposed to have some meaning. And what really happens is that she ends up like, you know, being with this Romulan guy and having a child, which is really disturbing. So it, it, the problem that I have with it is it kind of undercuts like her having made a impact. A hundred percent, Justin. That, that, I mean, as Haley said, it's, it's the future. It's not this episode's fault, but you're like, they went, they went from like, I don't, I actually kind of like, how they handled Tasha Yar's death in Skin of Evil. She's just, hey, this would happen to people. They're going about their business yeah. and they die, right? And like, oh, well, that's that's terrible, but does, everything doesn't have to be some amazing epic sacrifice like we often see in Star Trek. I'm like, okay, main character. Wow, shocking. Then it's like, well, if you are that person, you're like, well, I want to go out in a blaze of glory, so I'm going to go out this way. Oh, great. Okay, for that character, it's redeemed. But then it's like, well, actually, you were a prisoner of war and you had to have a child, and then you got executed because your daughter sold you out to your captors. Like that is even it's a, it's a terrible that's the fate, worst right? one of the three. Yeah, it is. So, um, but yeah, but you got you can't look at it that way. But but to answer your question, uh, Amy, it's like it's like this was an offshoot timeline, right? And then. Tasha from that offshoot timeline comes back into our timeline, as Justin said, and then she's just, you know, in the past. That has nothing to do with our Tasha Yar. They're just completely separate people. So does that make sense? Or <laughs> So in our prime timeline, we have a Tasha Yar in the Enterprise C, and we have a Tasha Yar on the Enterprise D. Just like right. just like in Star Trek 09, we have a young Zachary Quinto Spock and an old Leonard Nimoy's Spock. It's the same thing. Yeah, so they're 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 both out there. They just never huh. meet. But but okay. the, the, the part that I was trying to wrap my head in around is so I guess they get sent back into the past, and because of their presence there, it changes it back to the original timeline, and then that alternate Tasha can live in the prime timeline or something. That's how I always because see that it, yeah. got fixed. Like it was a, that temporal anomaly. Was it a Kitsum or the battle with the Klingons where Worf's father died? Yeah, I think that. Yes, but this was Narendra three, which is something different. Yeah, Kittimer was a separate situation, but there, there are a lot of there's a lot of Kittimers and battles with Klingons over the course of <laughs> Star yeah. Trek history. It does get confusing, but this is separate. But yeah. Okay, so I think that whatever the Enterprise C came from, I think that temporal anomaly was always there. So the Enterprise C always jumped to the future to then jump back. Jump back. back. Yeah. So while it was jumped into the future timeline. That changed the future because the Enterprise C was never there to help the colony from save it from the Kallik Klingons. So we get this little offshoot of a, an alternate timeline for a, a small amount of time, and then Enterprise G jump ah. Enterprise C jumps back. There is a novel that talks about this a little bit. It's called Vulcan's Heart, um, which well, we actually knew there would comes, be Justin. Yeah, there is. <laughs> which, which, but but it's it's a really great novel. But it comes from the perspective of that time period in twenty three forty four, and basically people are there and they're like, "Huh, the Enterprise C uh, disappeared," <laughs> and then like later it comes back and they're like, "That's great, it helped," you know. Mm. <laughs> like anyway, so from their perspective, it's like it disappeared and then it comes back somewhat later or something like that. But well, since we're talking about all these sophisticated <laughs> things, let me ask you: Do you think that they should have kept the um the monster maroons intact instead of taking the belts and turtlenecks away because I thought the uniforms look crazy. Oh, it's embarrassing. 
It's got to be uncomfortable I, to wear too, right? Yeah, but, but those uniforms look great when they're all assembled. I, I don't understand why in the future they take the belt away with the belt loop still clearly there. And then um, if they're wearing a t-shirt or something, it just, it just, the uniform just, well, I, it's like, just I do think, it, do it I right. I think they were just trying to, they, in their effort to try and be different, it became less Oh, good. I know what they were doing. <laughs> no, no, I, I know what they were trying to do. I just, I, it failed, yes. is all I'm saying. It, it, it did not look good. I, I like it. I mean, it's 50 years later that they have that uniform and it's different and it works It's for not me. different. They just take the belt off and they don't wear it. <laughs> it's a different in that What's way. They different? had a Starfleet <laughs> regulation that said, don't have these things. It's not working in the... Uh, anyway, I can it see just, your point, Ken. Uh, like I said, if we're going to get into sophisticated <laughs> conversations, I'm going to join the party with my point. Of course, yeah. I, I agree to Ken's point. They they were essentially the same. I was like, oh, look, it's, it's the Monster Maroons, just not with some of the other stuff. I do think it's interesting, and I paid attention a little bit, the uniforms for our TNG crew. Uh, the yellow is more like a mustard and kind of shiny looking, and then there's those blacked wrist cuffs, um, like on the ends, like how you wear it, like when you have your hoodie and you have like the wrist cuff or whatever. It doesn't... Doesn't Picard have like a belt across his or something? Yeah, well, some of them have like weird. a sash, like of course their belt and their uh, shoulders. Yeah. yeah, and then their collars are higher. The collars are higher, and and Haley, to your point, I think the color of the green is more because the lighting is so different on that Enterprise. Uh, and then also Ten Forward looks like a completely different set with all the lights on, doesn't it, guys? It does, yeah. But uh, it was interesting. I don't think I ever noticed that Jordy at the end is wearing the. Yeah, mirror. that is a mistake. That is an epic mistake. Star Trek uh, <laughs> continuity error. What is he wearing? I'm sorry, I didn't so hear. So Jordy at the end of uh, the episode, right? Haley, why don't you? Because they're back in the regular time. He's still got the shirt on from the alternate. Oh, timeline. When he's yeah. when when, when uh, Guinan asked Jordy to tell her about Tashiar, they're sitting at the table, and you see his sleeves on the table, and it's the alternate timeline uniform. So way to go, continuity guy. Oh, I never noticed. I think when you're doing things like that that are kind of really complicated, um, like Game of Thrones with Daenerys in the Starbucks cup yes, that they had yes. to edit out, um, little mistakes like that are going to creep in. Well, you know what? The alternate Tasha Yar like picked up a uniform to take back with her and then somehow through a very sophisticated series of moves made sure that it was in Jordy's closet. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to pause a uh, question. So... With Tasha, with Yar, when she's like, she goes and after talking with Guinan and Guinan tells her you're not supposed to be here and I don't know exactly why, but you're dead. And and she says to Picard, she asks to go over to the Enterprise C. Is, is she thinking that if she stays on the ship that somehow when the C goes back that she's still going to be there? No, I, I think, well... I was thinking about that this time. I was well, like, she, she thought she would cease to exist, right? That, I think she thought she would cease to, would, to yeah. exist. Well, she doesn't necessarily know that she had, but there's really strong indications that she had died before. Yeah. Right? But she said there's a Gainan, there's a conversation between Yar and Gainan, mm-hmm. and um, something like, what is it? I'm on memory alpha. Um, but there's more, something more when you look at me, isn't there? I can see it in your eyes, Gainan. We've known each other too long. We weren't meant to know each other at all. At least that's what I sense when I look at you, Tasha. You're not supposed to be here. Yeah. Um, I do like Picard when he says, this is a briefing. I'm not asking your consent. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's the different timeline approach from this Picard, yeah. right? 
assertive military log Picard. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that because, I mean, everybody's like, oh, let's sure make history never forgets the name Enterprise. We all remember that one. But I really like that line a lot better. Um, I, I love that that shows Picard's trust in Guinan, even though he has no reason to believe what she's saying and that everything's wrong. I really love that he just he doesn't doubt her. And I, I really like that. And I think that that really shows. Yeah, Patrick Stewart's acting is it's always A plus, but it's like A plus plus in this episode. Like when he's arguing with Guyton, not good enough, damn it, not good enough. Right? It's like angry Picard, <laughs> right? It's so awesome. And then he calls yeah. uh there's no number one, right? It's very formal with Rikert's commander. So there's he, little subtle things in this different timeline. So yeah, just just a great look at the alternate way we could have a TNG. When did Patrick Stewart come on as a guest? Because Zach just channeled Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Well done. So, like, and I I think this is also interesting because it is an alternate timeline, but they're not going back to the mirror universe, but it's, like, kind of somewhere in between, right? Mm. Because there's this more serious, like, military aspect to it, but it's not, like, way over there with the mirror universe. So I think it's really interesting what they chose to do with this kind of alternate timeline. Mm Mm-hmm. I suppose, I suppose there's another thing. They're just in a war footing, so there's no families on the Enterprise D in this kind of alternate future timeline. Yeah, it's very much um, more. They've all got their, they're all armed permanently in case they get boarded by kind of Batleth wielding Klingons. Mm. I wanted to ask a question um, why are they called Monster Maroons? Because they're maroon and they're big. <laughs> that can't be it. That is it. That really, really is. Yeah, it's a it's a fandom term they came up with at some point along the way to describe the Star Trek. D- does that does that uniforms. translate to Scotland? Like monster means something that's like big, just like yeah, a I monster you're does, afraid of. Okay, um, doesn't make sense. Fans are lame if they come up with that. <laughs> yeah, they will. They will come to get wait, you. Wait, wait, wait to appease uh, your audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just e- email <laughs> Joe Podcast at gmail.com. Millions of miles away. Yeah, just so you know, Haley came up with that idea, but I wasn't going to say anything. Huh. <laughs> Thanks. So. Thanks, Ken. Haley, that was a lame idea. <laughs> Shame on you. I know. I really sorry. thought it was good or bad. It was just the term. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Sorry. Cool. All right. So let's talk about the next episode, which is another one that's generally considered as one of the very best of TNG, which is The Inner Light. Now, I think this fits in a category similar to what we saw in Standard Orbit with like the enemy within and turnabout intruder. Like it's a twisted reality kind of thing because he's not really going to an alternate timeline but he's experiencing this whole life but uh let me start with amy your thoughts on the inner light oh man i love this episode and i love that it's included with this alternate reality because that's exactly what picard gets to experience this entire lifetime in a blink of an eye i i think the whole concept is pretty darn amazing um i don't think that it's like forceful. I mean, this probe comes and in reality, Picard only loses what five, seven minutes of his life, but gets to experience an entire lifetime that he gets to keep with him forever. And he gets to keep the Ressican flute. Um, I love that he (laughs) gets to experience what it is to be a husband and a family member and a, you know, a father and an I mean, we already know he's an important leader in his community and in the workplace. Like, so that's sort of the same, but I love that, that just the idea of this civilization being able to capture and transport a life 
time of an entire community into this brainwave or something that's going to capture you. I, I love the inner light and for so many other reasons. Okay. Joe, your thoughts? What Amy said. I have to give a shout, to, a shout out to STLV here um, with the Picard exhibit. And the fact, like, I I was, I did cry, I'm going to admit it. Yeah, um, listeners, I was in tears. Just walking around and then you get to that corner and there's the Resican flute displayed with the music. That It was the music that did it for me. Um, if it was just the flute, it'd be just another exhibit. But it was the fact that it was the flute music and it, yeah, I was a mess. Yeah, again, very different to yesterday's Enterprise, but... I'd just another outstanding performance by Patrick Stewart. Um, I didn't know until recently that the character that plays his adult son um, is Daniel Stewart, yeah. who's Patrick Stewart's real-life son, um, which is really cool to know. Um, it's just a magical, magical episode, isn't it? And it's what, what you said, Amy, it's about how he experiences this entire life over the course of a very short period of time. Like seven eight minutes, um, the um, what's the race called again? The he's called Cayman, but what's their species? The Resicans, Do we ever right? know? Is it because it's a it's Resican flute? Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe that's the their um, line. Now you got like a like a, a clarinet and a bass clarinet. Maybe Resicans, their word for bass. Mm, that's like a good bass point. Flute. Maybe don't know. But they are in the, the course of the episode, they don't appear to be all that technologically advanced. Like they don't see appear to have the ability to be able to extract somebody's kind of lifetime of experiences and load them onto a probe that's going to last 100,000 years and launch it into space. They seem more kind of agriculturally based. It's yeah, by the, the way, scenes in that the village. planet is, is Catan. So, so it is their Catanian, Catanian, obviously. Something like that. Yeah. Although, like, humans live on Earth, so <laughs> who lives on Catan? The uh, Romulans? Spragatia. <laughs> yeah, might as yeah. well be something made um, up. <laughs> no, it, it is interesting because it doesn't seem like they're very technologically advanced, but somewhere off screen, like, they're making this thing that's really mm. sophisticated, but... They have a very specialized skill about this yeah. sort of thing. Or, 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 you know, Cayman is just living in a really rural area and they're like tech centers or elsewhere or something. Cayman <laughs> right. is in the Amish right. community on that planet. <laughs> right. Yeah, Cayman's in Gilead and The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, Haley, what are your thoughts on The Inner Light? Yeah, um, I've always enjoyed this episode. It's it's really powerful and, and quite moving. Um, I do have one thing. I think someone should cosplay... Uh, Captain Picard's outfit from this episode because it's almost like a style of like hammer like it's like a cross between like hammer pants and like <laughs> like the Tudor style pants but in like onesie form but it looks like it's like silky so it would just be like perfectly light and airy to wear around uh, cosplaying in Vegas um, so I think someone should get on that that'd be really cool um I find this really interesting, and I never kind of thought about it before. What? But Doctor Crusher is the same rank rank as Riker in this episode, and I know that essentially Riker, with Picard being unconscious, 
um, on the bridge that Riker is in command. But doesn't that still mean that Dr. Crusher overrides whoever's in command? Because when he's telling her, when he's saying that they need to stop the beam and they need to get Captain Picard back, and she tells him no because she doesn't, you know, it, she says if somebody gets stabbed, you don't necessarily pull the knife out right away. It might do harm, more harm than leaving it there. And she's telling him, we don't know what's going to happen to Picard if we cut this beam off. Doesn't he necessarily have to listen to her? I mean, they're the same rank, but she's still ship's doctor. Well, the way that I think about it, I think you see this in other places in Star Trek where like a doctor or chief medical officer is saying like, you really need to do this. But it depends on whether they push it to like, usually like with a doctor, you see them say, I can relieve you of duty. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily say I can override your decision on this. I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but I think she can't necessarily override. She's giving Riker advice, but I don't think she can necessarily override what he does, but she can relieve him of command. But No, she can't. Um, I mean, she can relieve him of command if he's like incapacitated in some way or she thinks he's right. lost his mind. Yeah, but, he, just be, yeah, yeah. but she can't do it just because she disagrees with right. him. Right, right. And um, that, that's that's the key there. But um, the way it normally works, Haley, it doesn't, it, it's positional authority. It's not rank. So it doesn't matter. You know, she could be a commander for five more years than Riker, um, but she's only commanding the sick bay and the medical staff in her department. She has nothing to do with operations in the ship. Um, how they cross that over with Troy and other things, it makes no sense in the Star Trek universe, but they do. It's okay. It's just different. Um, but on a ship, um, you have what they call line officers, and then you have folks that are non-line officers, staff officers, so people in charge of supply, medical, things like that. Only department heads, um, they couldn't, you know, if, if everybody was killed or whatever and they were still the senior officer, they still would not be qualified to run or, or give orders on a ship. That's just, just so you understand. That's, it's, so it's positional authority and competency. Good to know. So I might as well just go to you, Ken, your further thoughts. <laughs> well, the inner light, um, I always go back and forth. It's between this and family that are my two favorite Star Trek episodes of all time, all series. Um, hmm. This is a good place to admit that on Earl Grey. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's 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 fine. I, you know, I have no biases. Um, you know, I, I I obviously am on TOS because that's the series I, I started with, and I, and I love it. And the movies are what got me into Star Trek, and I'm a little older than most of you folks, so that's that's kind of where my my history lies. But I, I can also step back and 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 see with absolutely zero bias, uh, beautiful writing, incredible storytelling, um, and the way they portray things. Now, I, you know, it's funny because I hear yesterday's Enterprise and Best of Both Worlds. They're great episodes. They're not in my top 20, I don't think. But they're good episodes. I do like them. And people are like, you're a military guy. Like, yeah, I know. But I'm also a family guy. Um, and I love seeing um, stories like this because it's what's really valuable in life that they're talking about here, right? And one of the things that I think has always been a tragic, John Luke Picard, you can, who's the best captain, doesn't matter. He might be the most tragic character because he's missed out on so much by choice. Um, and, and to me anyway, you know, the life he has chosen is great and he's extremely successful and good at it. Um, but what he's missing out on is equally uh, important to show. And when they pull it together like they did in this episode in Family, it's the best Patrick Stewart 
acting in the in the universe. I mean, he's just he's phenomenal with it. Um, he's you know um, he's comfortable with it, and it it kind of it, it you know it's it's funny because every time I look at this character, I will always be thinking he has the benefit of this now, and that probably completes his character holistically, right? Because he has something that no one can explain to you, no one can. Um, say, you know, well, you know, you can see it, you can look at it or whatever, but if, if you're not going to have all these things, um, you, you'll never know what it's like. So I think it, it really helps complete the character, um, you know, just like family did. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it just, it brought everything full circle. It's, I've got a copy of this script. I've got it autographed by Morgan. I, um, I, I love everything about this episode and what it stands for. I thought it was one of the most creative ways of um, pulling you into um, a family environment in in Star Trek history. It's just 100% phenomenal. And um, I could go on and on with the accolades as to why, but I think we all understand where I was going. Okay. And Zach, your thoughts? Now, this is a good episode, but I have often said it's overrated just because it's. I see people rank it like, oh, it's my favorite episode, it's a top five episode. Everything Ken said is great. I feel bad saying what I'm saying right after he said what he said. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Wait until I say what oh, I say. Oh, oh good. Um, but I, I, but to, to be fair, I think that uh, with age, you kind of reflect on an episode like this more. You know, being like, oh, whatever, man. I'm in my 20s and early 30s. Life, kids. Yeah, it's the future. But when you kind of fast forward and you kind of see like the kind of life and family you can build. And then when that gets taken away, that to me, the most interesting aspect of this whole episode is, you know, the ends where... You know, Picard, he, he, he's lived he's lived like decades in this other life, in this alternate reality. And, he, and then he's suddenly back where he was before it started, and, and he has nothing to show for it except for this flute. And that's when Riker leaves at the end. He, he just clutches his flute tight. It's like it's the only thing he has to to show what, what he's been doing, what, what the life he's been living the last 40 years. And you think about how just horrible that would be and, and what what a what a mental shift that would have to be when you, he, he, it took him a long time to get used to, okay, this is my new life now. And then he settled and had kids and grandkids. And then he's back to the, being the military man he was. And, and that's gotta be like, whoa. And, and I think, you know, Star Trek at that t- stage, it was episodic, but they, they kept enough of that in there. Like, especially lessons, they follow this up with very nicely with the flute and how the music is important to him. It's a very private thing. And, and also, you know, Justin, what you and a uh, Brandon, have talked about on the line uh, about how this kind of influence in the most recent episode of the line as of this recording about how this experience, you know, potentially kind of made him the family man he is in generations and, and things like that. I think that's an interesting idea uh, that you can connect some dots to, but, uh, but yeah, just to see Picard in this, in this different environment and to see how he would uh, adapt to it and eventually, you know, embrace it and then to have it taken away at the end is, Oh, it's tragic. I mean, people talk about, Sitting on the edge of forever is tragic for Kirk. This is equally tragic for Picard to see that. So it's it's a very good episode of Star Trek. Personally, you know, I wouldn't rank it in my top ten or so because it's like it's all Picard. You don't see any of the other you know crew members have anything of true significance in the episode. Uh, they're just kind of in the background doing their doing their normal Star Trek thing. So it, it's not as like the most representative of what the next generation is, but the the, the idea of the story is, is great. Okay. Yeah, so for, for my thoughts, I think when I was first seeing TNG, I had heard about the inner light and that like, wow, this is the best episode. It's really great. And I think I saw it and I was like, this is a really good episode. But I mean, probably at this point, it's not in my top 10 in, in TNG. I think it's it's good, but 
I have a, a couple of issues with it. I think one thing, they probably had to do this because of the nature of you know commercial TV and cutting back from commercial breaks. But you keep going back to the bridge. Like, oh, how's he doing? Should we cut off the beam and all that stuff? And I feel like it interrupts the flow of the story. I would have rather had it that he goes into this reality and you're with him there until he's out of it. Um, and, and also, you know, what, with what happens with this probe just coming by and being like, all right, we're just going to take you over without your consent. I have, I have some issues with that, but I can understand how it's kind of needed for, for the story. But like I go through it and I think there are really great moments and the ending in particular is really great in seeing the progression and all of that. But there are just a few things that happen that kind of knock it out of, um, my upper reaches of, of episodes, but I think it is really good. It's good what it's going for. I really appreciate what, what you guys are saying. For me, I'm n- maybe not quite as much of a fan, but I think it is a very creative way to create an alternate reality where he lives out all of this time. I think the concept is fantastic and 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 really amazing. It's just, I have a couple issues with it. But Amy, you want to say something? Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about this as you guys were talking. And one thing that I think this episode does is sort of feed into the concept that Picard is set apart from his crew, which I think is different than how they treat other captains. And so here we have yet another example where Picard, he's the only one to experience this. He's the only one that has these memories. He can't share them. I mean, he shares the memories, but that experience is to him alone. So yet again, he's being set apart from the crew I mean, even when he was Lacutus of Borg, he's the only one to have been assimilated, you know, in on his crew and then come back. Like it's it's interesting to see how they write for Picard compared to other captains, where I think the other captains are more with their crew. So, Amy, your thought brought something interesting up for me, which is you're saying it's only him that's there. What if this probe had made the decision to take two people to experience it, and the two people that they took were Jean-Luc Picard and Beverly Crusher, and they have to live out some time over a couple of decades? I think that would have been really interesting for sure. All the Picard Crusher shippers would have been on high, yes. They got married and had kids, but it didn't really happen. Yep. Anyway, I don't know. It was just a weird thought I had. You know, speaking of that, so this probe has been around for hundreds of years, floating around in space, and this is the... I think a thousand, thousand years. years, and it didn't come across anybody mm-hmm. to do this to until now. Space is big. Well, that we don't know of. <laughs> that we know of, yeah. But yeah. you I'm, might I have mean, heard space is big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, space is big, so maybe you wouldn't find anything <laughs> in a thousand years. But that's but, a yeah. very, very small amount of time. Interesting question, Zach. Would the probe then? So if pa- if Picard was Catan, was that what? What was his Cayman. name again? Cayman, yeah. From Catan. Would that mean that whoever else came across the probe was also Cayman? I think it's it's a one-time shot. Like, Mm -hmm. someone comes across the probe, and then they're like, all right, game complete. Here's here's your flute. So it's a download and delete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they take the flute at the end. That that would really suck if, like, there was somebody else after this. Like, (laughs) where's the the flute? (laughs) Yeah. They brought the probe aboard, right? Maybe they got a stock of flutes. Maybe they just said the probe keeps on going until it runs out of They just send it down the slot every yeah. time. It's a replicator. Really Maybe there's something. a wee grabby arm. Wow. Like when he's finished his life, the wee grabby arm grabs a flute oh and like, transports it out. Here you Picture go. Prize. Yeah, interesting. Wow. 
I had a thought today after watching this again that I don't think TNG would be half as good as it is if it wasn't for Patrick Stewart. I think when he's given these super powerful roles that he's given in like a lot of episodes, um, he excels in as, as an actor. Mm-hmm. I think he contributes a lot, but there's a lot of other people that contribute. I think he he's a he's a total standard. Yeah, but there's there's a reason he's the only one that's as successful as he is. Okay, I mean, if you look across the board, you have William Shatner, who's gone to many different series and movies, and you have Patrick Stewart. Right, you can't say that for just about any of them. By the time they pulled in Jonathan Archer for you know the the captain there, I forget his character. (laughs) He's done a lot of things previous to Enterprise. Okay, but. Honestly, as an actor, no, he's in a class by himself. That's why he's a sir, which I, I, I really don't even understand why they do that for artists. But whatever, it's their thing in England. But it does, I mean, there are very few people that get that attribute. He is at a level above everybody, potentially across all of Star Trek with his ability. He's 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 incredible, uh, what he can do. Absolutely spoiled. incredible. Star Trek was spoiled by having Patrick Stewart. They were. I mean, listen, you know, we, we talk about the TOS cast, you know, half of them, eh, you know, <laughs> nice people, great actors. I don't know. We never really saw their chops. Um, Leonard Nimoy was pretty good. Jonathan Frakes, you know, he's a great director, um, but he hasn't been acting in anything. He's not been in any big movies. He's going to be the new season of Picard on CBS All Access. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you get these small parts here and there that you'll see, you know, them pop up with... Um, uh, you know, some of the stuff that Seth MacFarlane's been doing here and there and there and there. But, you know, the the big actors from Star Trek, R- R- uh, Rene Abajanois obviously has done a lot um, and a few others. But, you know, we love Star Trek and we love these characters and we love the people that play them. But if you want to talk about skill set, it's just like any other industry. You have people that are good and you have people that are just and Patrick Stewart is well beyond any of those guys on that cast, or any of them, honestly. He's just that good. All right. So, Sir Patrick, S- Sir Patrick Stewart, we love you. Come and be interviewed. No, go ahead, Joe. <laughs> um, so, I've said this previously on Earl Grey, but it's a really appropriate time to say it. There's nothing to stop Picard, in Star Trek Picard, at some point, taking a ship, going to find the Nexus going into the Nexus, and oh, then no. appearing on Catan and finding <laughs> Cayman. Uh, no. So what, what, would, he, no, would he kill Cayman and take over his life? Is that what you're saying he should do? <laughs> no, he would just, like, because he would go and see that part of that was really important to him because he experienced all of Cayman's life. All the great things we've been saying about TNG, and you killed it with one yeah. word. <laughs> so this is why you're yeah. not This is why you're not a writer it's, on Star Trek Picard. It's, in, <laughs> it's canon, so... The infinite Sorry, possibilities. I, 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 oh, although, boy. although Justin, I think that's a good idea for a novel. What do you think? No, it probably is a novel. <laughs> okay, no. right, fair enough. No, Justin, no, maybe no. a comic book. No, 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 <laughs> comic no, no, book. No, 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 no. That's okay. I think we're All good. Right. All right. Well, let's go- move on. We have a couple more episodes here. So the next one is Frame of Mind. So this is the season six episode where I guess a short summary would be like Riker gets stuck in some alternate realities that he's trying to get out of because these people are holding him. No. So. Yeah, it's a form of torture. I don't understand what you don't understand about it, Joe. They're trying to, this alien race, this alien race are trying to extract like Starfleet secrets from his brain. Yeah. And, um, by his using brain, drugs. Yeah, his brain protects itself by creating all these kind of 
not alternate realities just makes him kind of go insane. It kind of does, but no, 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 no. He might be surrounded by insanity, but he is not insane, Joe. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> I'm not My crazy. Only note on this is it's thoroughly confusing. Okay, well, I get Joe's what confused, ha- I totally get so... what happens, yeah. But it's like it's like twelve monkeys or let's let, let's come back to you, Joe, because maybe as we Total talk Recall about it, it'll make or... more sense. Or what are right. those other really confusing movies where you can watch twenty times? I love Total Recall. Times. That's a good call, Joe. And it's like, what's going on? I still don't really get it, but I understand okay. it. Let's let let's let's see if we can make it clearer. Uh, Amy, your thoughts on Frame of Mind? I love it. It is a psychological thriller for sure, and you don't know what's going on. I love the aspect that you know he's trying to be in this play, so you get that sort of aspect from the Enterprise, and um, you never know is his captors are they telling him the truth or not, and you know. By the end, you yourself have a headache and you have to touch your forehead to see if you're bleeding because you just (laughs) don't know what's going on. I absolutely love it. I am like, oh, I have this headache. Oh, my gosh. I love it. The twists and the turns. It keeps you guessing. I, yeah, it's one of my favorites. So takeaway thought is that for the entire episode, Riker is actually lying on that table that we see him on the end. Yeah, that's what's happening in reality. Yes, because yes. yes, you drugs. That's and... why the problem I have with it is that you don't actually know what is, what is real and what is But you do fake. after you've watched the episode that's once. Yeah, and I just... <laughs> Joe's still confused. Let's, uh, so let's go to, to Ken, your thoughts on Frame of Mind. Oh, why did I have to go after Amy? Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Amy. I, I couldn't wait for this episode to end. And I've wow. never watched it again after the first time wow. I saw it until I prepared for this show. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know what? But you know what it is? It's it's a matter of taste for me. I, one, because, you know, it's, uh, well, I will say on the positives, everything I just said about Patrick Stewart being a great actor, Jonathan Frakes did a great job in this episode. He really did. Um, he sold it. He sold it very, very well. Um, but I am just not a fan of these types of episodes at all, um, where, you know, it's constantly giving you guessing and whatever and twist and turns, but you know, at the end, he's going to be safely on the bridge and everything's going to move forward. So it didn't do anything. It just brought you down this kind of rabbit hole of tricks and lefts and rights, you know, with, um, very bad shattering effects. Hey, and that's um, great for 1992. Oh, I love those shattering <laughs> I effects. I know. Nah. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it, you know, but, it, but it, it's more, I think it's more of a taste thing than me saying that the episode is bad. Those types of episodes to me where they're just trying to go left, right, and sideways, whatever, maybe I'm too old now, or maybe I was too old 27 years ago <laughs> when I saw it. I just, it, it doesn't do anything for me. It's like, get to the point and get this over with, because it, it, it wasn't a fun ride for me. It just was like, oh, is this, you know, how many more times is this going to drag on? However, like I said, I can't tell. I, I can't, you know, I was impressed the way Frakes pulled it off. He, he really did a great job in this episode, um, playing a, a crazy person. He, he really did. He sold it. Okay, uh, Haley, your thoughts? Yeah. So I I do enjoy this episode a lot. Um, you're kind of on this with him, and you're not quite sure what's real, what's not real, what to believe, what not to believe. Mm-hmm. And to Joe, your point with 
Riker's brain kind of creating everything. And his brain's essentially creating this entire episode since he is on that table the entire time. The brain is very protective of itself. Anytime we have significant trauma to the brain, it will protect itself. Um, and it does this in different ways. It, it will create kind of what this episode does and and replay certain events over the past several days, hours, weeks, months. And so the brain kind of, in order to save itself, because they're going in, they've got this thing hooked up to his temple, and they're trying to access everything, but they're doing it through all the neurons and pathways in the brain, and the brain's saying, okay, in order to preserve myself, preserve this information that I don't want somebody to have access to, I'm going to cycle and do all these things that save it's like itself. It's creating, creating a maze to confuse yeah. whatever process. Yeah, yeah, is what it does. And it's really, really quite interesting. Um, you know, they talk about um, in the episode when the Dr. Cyrus is explaining, okay, well, we can do this thing or we can do this thing, these two different procedures to kind of help him remember what happened. Um, it's really, and he talks about, you know, the, the surgery, I don't recommend it because a person can change. And it really is quite interesting because there is proof that a significant surgery trauma to the brain will make a person completely a different personality. There was a gentleman who had a iron rod got into his brain and when they took it out, he lived, but he was like completely different. Oh, I heard about this. He was it's not like the, the 1900s, like a railroad worker yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, he yeah, was a train yeah. worker and he was a completely different person and just mean and cruel and everything like that. And it's all in this, you know, that so many systems in the brain, they're separate, but they all rely on each other. And the brain will do what it can to preserve what memories we have and save our, essentially save itself. So... I don't know if that helps at all, but I really enjoy this episode because because of that aspect of this is Riker's brain trying to protect Riker so and protect It should have been called Riker's brain. Riker's then, right? brain. <laughs> <laughs> what is Riker's brain? <laughs> um, so I really like that, you know, you're taking this whole journey and you just don't know exactly what's going on this entire time. And then when you find out, you're just like, wow. And the fact that his brain did all of this, it's really okay. fascinating. I suppose it's really interesting from that perspective that the brain is kind of the the final frontier of human biology and it's the thing that we know least about. Um, but there's a couple of things that in the past couple of weeks that um, I've found really interesting. I've just started to reread or, or the audiobook, re-listen to um, the Bobbyverse books by Dennis E. Taylor, um, where this guy basically gets frozen after or at the point of his death and he becomes the artificial intelligence construct of a von Neumann probe, the mm. self-replicating probes that go out and explore the universe on behalf of humanity. But then it got me thinking about how is how are our memories and our experience and our personality and our consciousness, how are they stored like at a cellular level? How is short-term memory transferred into kind of longer-term memory? And it's just something we, we don't know yet. There's so many unknowns about how the brain actually 
works. So Riker's brain, the final frontier. <laughs> I can I can definitely direct you in some directions on working memory. Um, it's very interesting. We do quite understand a lot. Um, it's it's just a really interesting concept. It's kind of hard to read some of the journals on different mm. things if you don't know enough about it. Cool. I had to take a lot of those classes my final semester. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. so Zach, your thoughts? Yeah, this episode is great because it's a Riker episode in the later half of TNG. Uh, you know, we're talking about Patrick Stewart being an amazing actor. I- I'm glad they kept him after Best of Both Worlds. But after that, it was like Jonathan Frakes had kind of and Riker had kind of hit his plateau as a character. And they, he got like one episode a season after that instead of being kind of the co-main character of the first three seasons. Uh, so frame of mind, a good highlight for his performances as well, because he, he's probably the most underused actor as well, I think. Uh, you know, Maybe Case McFadden as well on the, on the show in the later years. But uh, it's really cool. It's like a Twilight Zone episode, because you never know what's going on. Like, like you are... Twilight Zone episodes, the best ones are like, you relate to this person who all this crazy stuff happening is, hap- is happening around them, and they can't share it with anyone. And that's the kind of the journey Riker goes on uh, but also, it's interesting. We're talking about all these episodes of, of you know the TNG uh, alternate realities, and, and none of them happened. Like none of them. <laughs> like Resurrection Enterprise gets kind of erased. Uh, Inner Light mm, technically never really happened, and then this is all in Riker's mind on the table. So it's, it's just interesting theme as we're talking about the episodes here. Also, you get to see Susanna Thompson, who goes on to play the Borg Queen uh, in Voyager, and also Khan, not that Khan, in Deep Space Nine's episode Rejoin. So she's uh, one of the alien inmates uh, here. Khan. Yeah. Uh, who talks into the spoon, which is a great, like, you get all yes. excited. You're like, oh, oh, he, she's got a communicator. And she pulls out a spoon. You're like, oh, you and Riker are both like, oh, no, not this. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and tying it in with a play was really cool, too, because that's something they, they TNG, very cultured show. It's like we have concerts and plays and, you know, tying that in. And and uh, and then hit the the kind of catharsis of Riker tearing down the set at the end is, is great for him to kind of yeah. close the book on this mm-hmm. experience, so. Yeah, um, let me give a few thoughts before we see if Joe's still confused. Um, so <laughs> so I, I, I love this episode. I've always loved it because I, I like the concept where you go in, you're not sure what's real or you're changing between realities. Even rewatching it, I find that very, very satisfying. I think Jonathan Frakes does do a great job. Maybe there's a bit of overacting in there, but but like you can really feel like he's just gradually kind of going insane with this whole thing. And I agree, Zach, like the catharsis at the end where he's like, I need to tear down this set. Like I need to do something to feel like I'm going to move past this is really great. So, I mean, it's something that that I've always uh, really enjoyed. So it sounds like we all enjoyed it except uh, Ken and Joe, but that's okay. It's a different perspective. But, but Joe, like, how do you feel? Are you still confused? I think it makes me feel uncomfortable because I don't know. I feel trapped. Like, so I suppose I like it because it does its job. It's supposed to make you it feel portrays, that way. You, you want to be afraid yeah. of going to sleep in your bed and waking up in a mental institution. That's terrifying. Yeah. True. No. Or like with a spider under the bed <laughs> where once I slept in the living room because there was a spider under my bed. Um, <laughs> or, or, or that but, you might yeah. get, uh, you know, taken out of your bed into another like realm like realm Riker does in, in space. Poor yeah. guy. Or, or you wake up and there's snakes happens. in your bed, like Riker in Night Terror. Man, Riker has a tough. <laughs> don't, if you're Riker, never go to sleep. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> don't sleep. Yeah, he's had, yeah, he's had some problems. Was this episode um, kind of felt as if it's a bit of a cross between First Contact, the episode hmm. where Riker's being captured um, on that alien planet, and also. Was there this? Was it a season two episode where he during the writer strike where they had to use a kind oh, of a sh- talking about shades of gray? 
Yes, yes, where he'd been stuck with the alien plant, and it was kind of growing. Yeah. It was bad. He's kind of experiencing then, the alternate reality of a clip show in that one, isn't he? Yes, yes exactly. Because <laughs> they have to stimulate his brain to fight the infection. They're like, here are some memories. Yeah, it was like a, a mashup of First Contact. He's been captured by an alien security force, and his brain's trying to kind of protect him from this alien virus yeah. or this alien machine that's so, trying to extract. Sorry, Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Just one little quick thing as I was thinking about it. I really, one other reason that I like this is because with Riker, he his loyalties change. You know, when, when Crusher tries to, okay, we're going to get you out. And then he turns her in and you're like, oh my gosh, that is not supposed mm. to happen. You trust your crew. And so just, again, these little twists where you don't even know where his loyalties are, uh, I just think makes for a great show. Great. Okay. All right. So let's go on to the final episode here, which is the third one, I think, that is generally very well regarded, which is Parallels, the one uh, where Worf keeps going, but hopping between different parallel universes. So this time, let's start with Haley. Okay, yeah. Uh, who doesn't like this episode? I love this episode. And I one of the reasons why is I like that this is a Worf-centered episode. Like, Worf is the only constant out throughout it. And I really like that because, you know, we get that kind of jumping the, the fence. DS9 has a lot of really great Worf-centered stories. And so I really like that it, you know, takes forever. But we finally kind of get something where... He's he's the one, like, no, this is wrong. It's also a Worf-centered story that doesn't have to do with Klingon culture. Yes. Exactly, yes. yeah. He's going bring that up too, good point. That's why and, I like it. Yeah, and so <laughs> I I love it. I, I love, you know, Crazy Bearded Riker is just absolutely my favorite, um, and that's what I call it every single time. Um, Borger everywhere, Riker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really fun to kind of notice all the different shifts and the little subtle changes um, as as he's going and bouncing basically in between various different Enterprise Ds in this episode. I'm not crazy about the setup of this leading into Troy and Worf dating. Yes. Because, you know, him encountering. I know, Amy, you can be mad at me if you want. Um, I feel the same way, but yeah. You know, <laughs> that is just really weird. Like, I love his face when she's like, we're, you know, she tells him to come and sit down next to her on the bed. And he's just kind of like, it's like peering around the corner. What? Yeah. This is inappropriate behavior. <laughs> um, so I really, I truly, truly enjoy this episode. Um, the 285,000 hails. Um, the only thing is there's that weird clear screen with like the schematic on it behind the horseshoe but then you can walk on either side of it and i'm like i feel i would probably like in a rush run into that every single time <laughs> yeah and um the uniform changes i love the com badges i think this is the first time i ever noticed not only are there the lines in between but they're also colored so like on data's because he's lieutenant commander the top two are slightly darker and a different shade of like yellow than the bottom one. And so I thought that was really, that's the first time I'd ever noticed the differences in that. But I find it interesting that they still have to have the rank pips, even though their rank is on the combat too. Oh, I yeah. think I spotted a mistake 
and the the rank on the com badge mm. um, match not matching. I think it's data or worth at one point. The ranks don't match on the pips and on the badge. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like a lieutenant commander. Is it Worf's got three pips, three gold pips, but he's got three gold stripes and a black stripe. Oh, interesting. So I, I never something looked like that, that as an inclusion that of a black stripe that doesn't fit. But you know what I do notice every time? The the one that has data with blue eyes. I think that's with his cool. actual eyes. Zach didn't <laughs> not that not this Zach. Um the other Zach. He's like, I never noticed that. I'm like, how did you never notice that he wasn't wearing the contacts and has just his normal eye color? I didn't I didn't notice. I, I, I think I pointed something out on Twitter and people were like, Oh really? Because they don't make a point of it. You just have to like look closely and notice. And the, the subtleties yeah. though, that's what's so great about this episode. You know, those kind of subtleties mm-hmm. and, and you know, Haley, you hit on like all the points I was gonna hit on about like the com badges and the uniforms. Like <laughs> those are from Feature Imperfect, actually, the first time we saw those with the ranks behind yeah. the uh the Delta, Starfleet Delta. But in that episode they like, Oh, well, we have the ranks here, we don't need them on the collar. But uh all you know, all the mix and match mm-hmm. is great. You know, crazy bearded Riker. It's like funny because it's like a meme, but now it's 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 really sad too because you're like, man, that's an awful existence. I I'd be desperate and didn't want, wouldn't want to go either. So you you understand why that adds some drama to to the and situation. And ship mm-hmm. blows up. Yeah, and the ship blows up. So I mean, but that's a you know that's probably it's like, better for him. Oh well, obstacle gone. Let's keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, you know the Wharf Troy thing, like uh, Wharf Troy. Star Trek's worst relationship. I don't know, but. No, I, uh, Chakotay, it's the worst ones. This side of Chakotay Seven is what I often say. So, and I like that uh, one well, too. Well, fair enough. Yeah. But, but the <laughs> fact the fact that it's weird and doesn't really work kind of works because Worf got the idea from it in a parallel universe, where it's like that might have worked there, but that doesn't mean it's going to work here. Multiple parallel universes. Yeah, multiple, you know, a few. You know, they have some kids and and that kind of thing. So. Uh, yeah. I, hey, but Marina Sirtis and Michael Dorn are friends in real life, so they probably thought, oh, good, we'll get some more interplay here. It's the seventh season. Let's try some stuff. But, you know, and ultimately, it, he got with Dax at the end of Deep Space Nine, so it, it all worked out. But yeah, this is a great episode. This is probably also in my top ten episodes uh, of TNG, just because, you, again, I love how it's Worf, and as both y'all said, Justin and Haley, but not, it's Worf's story, but he's not a Klingon. Like, everything having to do with Worf is, he's a Klingon, and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's like every episode of Data is like, I'm an android. Da, 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 da. Like, it, it, let's move these interesting characters out of, like, their identity into some other cool concepts. And, and it shows you, this episode ultimately shows you how far Worf has come as a character. since like, season one of the guy hanging around in the back of the bridge. Like, that Worf would not, you know, go with the flow as well as this Worf does in season seven. So. it's a good point. Yeah. All right, Zach, since we've gotten your thoughts, then, uh, Amy... Let's talk about why Worf Troy is so great or whatever other, you know, thoughts you have about the episode. Okay, so Parallels is a go-to episode. If anyone ever asks, well, I'm going to introduce someone to Star Trek, I'm like, see Parallels. Because of this timeline idea, and it's such an amazing sci-fi trip to go down. And I love, love, love the diagram when they are explaining and you get these little branches that go off and it's just like exponential. And and I love exploring the idea of one little choice can branch off into these alternate realities. And it's like, where would I be if I chose B instead of A? Or if you got served different birthday cake, that can be important. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's so interesting to think about what decisions really do culminate to where I am right now. And I just love, love, love parallels for that. Now, 
I have always been a Troy Wharf person. I it started earlier. It only makes sense. I love the natural or just how natural it is to have them be together because of their differences. Opposites attract. And I'm not going to spend more time because I have defended it many, many previous episodes. Um, but it just is this, again, the smallest change of behavior is going to, you know, put you in a different timeline. And what is that going to do to where you are? And I love how they figure out that it's Jordy's visor. You know, it's like, what's the common commonality in each of these instances when you shift like it's a good whodunit. It's a good sci-fi. It's a good timeline. It is just a fabulous episode where we get to explore different, you know, personalities and relationships that are on the bridge or, you know, on the ship. I love parallels and it just totally fits into an alternate reality episode like this. Okay. So Ken, your thoughts? Yeah. Great episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought that, um, I agree. This is probably one of those go-to episodes. It was very clever, um, you know, in a time too where I know they were coming up. Um, they were struggling to come up with some some really quality shows at the end. You know, obviously they finished it off with with one of the best ones ever. But the um, the the whole premise to to Amy's point and others is that you know you really are not sure is it him is it everything around him. And the subtleties and the plays they did in this episode made it a very fun watch. I, I enjoyed watching it again and prepping for this, and I had forgotten how much how much I liked it. If if there were any flaws, I would say um, now I first of all I, I did was paying very close attention to the the rank insignia and stuff. I, I didn't see any any place where they missed. Um, it is also common, especially on TOS or whatever, to have uniform insignias and in, you know on their sleeves up above. So. Having having a couple of devices here is actually more helpful than just having the one set. Um, it's actually more normal than not. So I, I didn't mind that it was double. I didn't think that mattered much, but I thought it actually made the uniforms pop a little bit more. I like that. Um, but <laughs> I think to your point, Justin, you know they they blow up the Enterprise and keep going. <laughs> Jordy dies and they keep going. I mean, he, he, it was it was essentially you know Warp's fault that Jordy dies too, and uh, I, I was just kind of like. Oh yeah, well you know <laughs> it just kind of they just kind of played that off, you know, and then you know and, and you know we've seen um, far less significant characters get get you know uh, get killed, and it's it's a much bigger deal. Now I do realize it all comes back, and yeah, and when it, it gets reset right, again. Fine. The four episodes in a row, again. none of this happened. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah. yeah, so only Worf remembers yeah. it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, he does remember it. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I did uh I, I, I think this is a, a fun episode and it does it keeps you guessing and even the techno babble doesn't get too far out of out of uh out of scope because you're able to follow along how this could happen. You know, I mean the, the signatures and all that stuff, very interesting, but um no, fun stuff. What's interesting is none of it happens, but in all four of these episodes, there's somebody that remembers what happened. Mm-hmm. Very true, <laughs> so, just good point. Uh, it's not like nobody would remember, but still, it's reset. So, Joe, save the best for last. What are your thoughts on parallels? Okay, so um, there's some funny points. The, his surprise part at the beginning, where everybody gets the most humongous slice of chocolate cake. <laughs> um, 
then <laughs> it, it changes and Captain Picard makes it to the party in this new Yeah, um, go, Captain, I didn't know you were there. So, yeah, everybody's got, still got a giant piece of cake, but Captain Picard's cake's almost finished, which is obviously because <laughs> they had to do like multiple takes, um, oh. but, or that he just eats cake really quickly, um, <laughs> according to me. Um, there was another wee bit, so Data gives him the the painting that he did of the Battle of whatever, and... Do you, have you ever gone to a party, given somebody a gift, and then you've decided where it's going to be, <laughs> or you've hung it up on their wall? No. Is it, is it Troy that goes down and takes his shield off the wall and then puts the painting up? I was like, that's that's hell of a rude. You wouldn't <laughs> do that. Uh, anyways, um, I'd really like Worf's chair. Now the big black chair with all the big poles on it and the ball, and big black balls. Yeah, that's a reuse of the captain's chair from the Talarian vessel now the Talarian plague vessel um from the episode haven really yeah hmm. if you look in the background the the captain guy on the Talarian ship you remember the um it was troy was going to get married to yep. the guy yeah. yeah that one yep wyatt wyatt yes um that's the captain's chair so like that them who was it it was um who mentioned the fact that Jordy died Ken. Ken, Ken, you mentioned, and also Captain Picard died in Best of Both Worlds in one of the timelines, and they just that was a good touch. Five yeah. minute episode, yeah. But it's like, whoa, okay, pe- main people are dying, um, all because Worf couldn't say computer raise shields. <laughs> That's all you have to do. You don't have to figure out how to work the keyboard. You just say computer raise shields. Panels reconfigured is not a good excuse. <laughs> They, they, I think I thought too. They gave some homage to TOS with how cheaply they redressed the ship sets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is over here now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just these big plastic bulbous things. You're going, it, yeah, you know, it actually detracted. I think from the story yeah, a little true. bit, but it was, it was still. I, I understand what they were trying to do. It was fun. It was, it was a fun. Yeah, episode. a couple last things for me. Then seeing Wesley Crusher was interesting as a full lieutenant. He obviously finished Starfleet Academy properly and. Uh, and looking up some behind the scenes stuff here, they, they had considered bringing back, you know, Denise Crosby as Tasha, but they're like, well, we're going to do that in all good things, like in a few episodes. So that's going to lessen the impact of that if we do that here. So we'll, Tasha Yar died in all these realities that Worf happened to hop into. And, uh, Sila is captain of the Enterprise in one of the realities. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. But, uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is just a great fun episode and just, uh, and to see all the different combinations of all the things, and especially at the end of the show. You know, when it's 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 a nice fresh look at the Enterprise D and the crew uh, after we've been watching the same crew for seven years. Yeah, definitely. Well, we've gone on for a while about it. I'll just say Parallels is a really great episode, and I love it. But uh, was there something else, Haley? Yeah, um, I wanted to ask. So, do you think it's in one of the parallel universes that Worf asked Troy to be Alexander Sokchim? And so the whole line, it's a risk I'm willing to take when being told that uh, Loxana would be his stepmother if Troy becomes kind of like his stepsister. Do you think that happened in the one we're in or was that in the one of the parallels? Because I love that line. He's like, it's a risk I'm willing to take after he's like, oh, well, that, def- be my that definitely stepmom? happened in ours because, I mean, we saw it in uh, which new, new well, ground ethics. Which episode was it? Well, in, in, in ethics, he's basically asking ethics. 
Okay, if, yeah. If he dies to for Troy to take care of Alexander, yeah. Yeah, but in this one, yeah, he asks, they make like, that to comment in take, ethics to like do the ceremony and like make it official to be like his mm. Alexander's um, like like mom surrogate mom. Yeah, it's, it's a call. It's a call back to that to say that's when it all okay. kind of started between Worf and Troy. So, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think they maybe missed a trick here where I would have liked to have seen more variety in the alternate realities. Where like there's a, a Futurama style animated reality <laughs> and there's like one where they're octopus people. And there's yeah, do you know what I mean? There's one where the the bridge is full of water and they're all fish. The budget only goes so fun? far, Joe. <laughs> so. Yeah, true. But. They they do have the one where like we're enemies with the Bajorans and there's a Cardassian on mm. the bridge. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And that was oh, that's yeah, kinda yeah, yeah. interesting. Mm. So but it wasn't animated. Cool. No. <laughs> sort of like that Spider-Verse, that new Into one. the Spider-Verse. Yeah, into the Spider-Verse, right? yeah. Into yeah. the Star Trek-Verse is what we wanted here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sure it's coming soon. Cool. All right. Look well, that. it's been so much fun doing this crossover, guys. Um, we really enjoyed being on Standard Orbit. We really enjoyed having you on Earl Grey. And, of course, you're always welcome for a future crossover. We'll see what happens. But uh, let's let our listeners know where they can find you. So, Zach... Well, last last word on this, actually, you know, if we were going to add yeah, one yeah. more episode to this uh, collective, could have done Eye of the Beholder, because everybody here loves Worf and Troy so much. You know, that is a warped reality, and it all takes place, and Troy said it didn't happen, so it would fit in on the shelf just like nah, the rest of these episodes. If so. we're going to add one, let's add all good things, because <laughs> that does have alternate realities. True, but... very much more appropriate add there. Or Future Imperfect, right? There's a lot of great episodes that could add to this. TNG running twice as long in TOS, there are a lot more options. But anyway... Yeah. As for me, you can find me personally on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-R-E-O-N-Z-S-E-H. Also host of Standard Orbit with Ken and Haley. You can find us here every Monday on Trek FM. And I have my own podcast, Always Swollen to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of The Young Superman Show. You can find us on Twitter at Always Smallville with one S. All right. Excellent. So, Haley, where can people find you? Yeah, so as uh, Zach graciously said, you can find me over here on Trek FM on Standard Orbit. You can also find me over on uh, the Phantom Podcast Network on Discoville, where we talk about Discovery and the Orville, and we have a whole bunch of other surprises coming up. Is that the new name? Oh, that's right. Union Federation Podcast. Thank you, Amy, for reminding me that we had the name change. So it's now Union Federation Podcast. Um, you can find me on the Babel Conference, and you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. All right, excellent. And Ken, where can people find you? My resume is much smaller. Uh, you can <laughs> find me co-hosting Standard Orbit with my good friends here, Haley and Zach. We do have a lot of fun over there on Trek FM's number two rated show, only to you guys. Can you believe that? Our 50-year-old little show here just... It's amazing to me how much fun that is. Um, we're, we're having a good time. You can find me on the Babel Conference, and you can find me on Twitter at Boston SCPO. All right, excellent. Well, thanks again for coming on Earl Grey and doing this crossover and letting us go over to Standard Orbit. We really appreciate it. Oh, we enjoyed yes. it. Thanks for coming over, and thanks for All having right. us. All right, so a preview of next week's episode of Earl Grey. So Amy's going to be away. But we will have a guest on, Christos Giannaris, and we'll be talking about undercover missions on The Next Generation. So that's going to be fun, right, Joe? But we can't tell you too much about it, otherwise we'd have to kill you. (laughs) Right.
Oh, so I must be on an undercover mission. You are, Amy. Please don't say anything. Okay. Man, this is a great topic. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I look forward to hearing it. Too many holidays. <laughs> All right. So for that episode on undercover missions, just wanted to list out the ones we'll be covering if you wanted to watch those over the next week. So um, First Contact, that's the season four episode, not the movie. Uh, Face of the Enemy, Unification, Who Watches the Watchers, and Chain of Command. So I think a lot of great episodes, and we'll be talking about it from the perspective of the undercover missions in those episodes. Well, it's been so much fun talking about alternate realities with the Standard Orbit crew, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, to the journey! In the seven That's all I could think about with that this one. Is, this is the Seinfeld in Space episode. I keep waiting for Elaine to show up. I'm trying to think of what Jerry Seinfeld would say in Jerry Seinfeld's tone of voice inside this episode. Can you do it? Can you, can you do a good Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, good grief. No, not even close. I'm trying to think how I would approach doing a Jerry Seinfeld impersonation. It's not coming to me. <laughs> He's got that super high pitched da 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 kind of, I don't know, kind yeah. of voice. Well, that you did really well, the da-da-da-da-da. So, yeah, there you go. Why don't they just warp out of here? <laughs> Earl Grey. Time travel and alternate no. timelines. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unacceptable selection. Please try Unacceptable again. selection. Does this fit no, your I'm original serious. definition of how you define a villain? No. Justin. <laughs> Possibly not. Okay, but then, but continue. Let me, okay. Literary Treks. The Antares Maelstrom is mentioned by Khan in The Wrath of Khan. He's got his whole big monologue when he's vowing vengeance on James T. Kirk. You know, I'll chase him around the Antares Maelstrom and the runes of Nivea, you know. So what is the Antares Maelstrom? To my surprise, oh, no one had ever actually written a book or a comic book about the Antares Maelstrom, which Khan famously name-checks. Standard Orbit. He even has another line like, you're a doctor. Like he tells his doctor, I'm like, that is so original series. Oh, love it. Like, like if you, I'm telling you guys, like uh-huh. if you have not seen this episode, you will see Star Trek all over it. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter, at TrekFM, and on Facebook, at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you're not shattering mirrors? 
which is something I do all the time. Like usually every time I see a mirror, I smash it. <laughs> so you can find me on the Babel Conference or you can get me on Twitter at joeyjoe77uk. You can also email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com. And that's it. Sorry, I, start, I ended on an upward inflection. Of yes, it. you did. <laughs> and no, that's it. That's the only places you can get me. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not trying to find your home version of your universe? When I'm not trying to find my home version of my universe. Well, I hope I'm in the right universe right now. I do have a goatee, but that doesn't mean I'm from the mirror universe, mm. probably. So We'll can- be the judge of that. <laughs> So you can find me elsewhere on the network, uh, co-hosting The Line, which is our Star Trek Picard podcast with my friends Chris Zalagi and Brandon Shea And you can find me on Twitter at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. You can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not jumping from universe to universe and loving seeing Worf and Troy together? Well, I'm always doing that. Um, You can find me here on the network as well, hosting The Edge, which is about Star Trek Discovery with my good friend Patrick Devlin. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson and, of course, right there in the Babel Conference. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Jim McMahon, and Joe Keegan. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Let history never forget the name Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs>